ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 30 million cards, from baseball superstars like Aaron Judge to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man. ComC has something for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Today, we're going to be continuing our Super Collector Series with a conversation with Richard Davis. He is a Wade Boggs Super Collector, and we're going to hear from him about his collection, where it stands today, the inspiration behind it, and all of those great things. But I'm happy because my own collection grew a little bit this week. I got a few steps closer to a few of the sets that I'm trying to track down here at this point. So I am down to two cards for the... 1980 Opeachy Empire Strikes Back set. I'm down to only two cards that I need to knock that one out. I've got my eBay alerts set for that. And I'm down to six cards for the 1960 Topps Baseball set. There's a few big ones. Uh, Yaz Rookie, Hank Aaron, and a couple Mantles in there, and a Clementi. Um, and a McCovey. Those are the six. And so Yaskrimski, Aaron, McCovey, Clementi, and the two Mantles are the what the cards that I still need to knock off this 1960 set, I got a couple in the mail this last week that got it down. It was kind of trickling from 15 to 11, 8, 7, 6, and so now I'm down to 6. And So we'll see if I can get that knocked out sometime here in February. Uh, step up to the plate and spend a little bit. I got some PayPal loaded up, so we'll see where, where this goes if I can find some copies that I'm happy with. That that's what had me excited this last week, getting closer and closer on a couple of these sets that I've been chasing. Well, hey, like I said, we're going to be talking with Richard Davis about his Wade Boggs Super Collection today. We're going to start that interview right after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors. It's breaking multiple days a week on Facebook and YouTube. You can find out what they're going to be breaking this week by checking out the schedule on udogcollect.com. Or you can also visit their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee to see their full selection of wax, singles, supplies. You can even watch some of those breaks live and in the shop. And Underdog Collectibles is also an approved group submitter to SGC, so if you've been thinking about grading, you can visit them at udogcollect.com as well and find out more about their group submission program. And when you check them out, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. Well, today the Super Collector Series continues, and I want to welcome Richard Davis he is a Wade Boggs super collector. He lives in Illinois, somehow is connected to Wade Boggs. That's going to be part of what we talk about today. I want to dig into that a little bit. Richard, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, I, I'm glad that you were able to join me. I loved having these super collector conversations. Everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got a different motivation. And it's fun for people to hear about what that is. Right. You are a Wade Boggs super collector. But I want to back up a little bit earlier than that. When did you start collecting and start collecting cards? I was born in 74, and it wasn't until about 81, 1981, when my dad, or maybe it was 82, but anyway, early 80s, 81 or 82, my dad would uh, start buying me a 
pack of baseball cards every Sunday after church. We'd go out and he'd stop by the White Hen or whatever it was, or 7-Eleven back in the day, and uh, he'd buy me a pack of cards, and that's what got me interested. I do remember it was 82 because I remember getting a Cal Ripken. Uh, yeah. uh, rookie. And so it was 82 when I started collecting cards. Still wasn't quite into baseball yet. I think maybe this was my dad's way of trying to get me into baseball because my dad loved uh, loved baseball. Uh, so, yeah, I started collecting cards in 82, 83, 84. And then it wasn't until uh, Christmas morning of 1985 when I had gotten a, a box of baseball cards as a Christmas gift. It was a, like a baseball card starter collector kit. I opened it up and inside the, the box were about 200 loose cards and then three packs of unopened uh, baseball cards. Uh, one of them happened to be an 83 Donruss wax pack. And so I opened it, and I mean, right there on top was Wade Box. Now, I didn't know who Wade was at the time, but I did know that card. You know, at the time, I think Beckett had it valued at $10. So, I mean, I used sure. to get the Beckett magazine, and, I, I'd, I'd see, and I, when I saw that card, it was like one of the cards I wanted to get, you know, back in the day. It was, you know, it was him, it was Gwyn, uh, Mattingly, obviously in 84. But, um, you know, th- that was one card I, like, would have loved to have, and I got it. And then it was for that point forward, because um, I was so enamored and, and elated to get this card, you know, as an 11 year old kid holding a $10 piece of cardboard was, it was just something, there was something cool, magical about it. So I started following his career from that morning on. I don't know how many other super collectors know exactly the time and date and when it all started for him, but that was, that was me Christmas morning, 85. <laughs> so, so the, the primary attraction was the fact that you got this $10 rookie card, according to Correct. Beckett, that Correct. hooked you as an 11 year old. Uh, how long did you continue to collect or have you ever taken a break? A, a lot of us, you know, we collected up through, you know, midway through high school and then took a break for a while. You know, yeah. what, what's kind of your collecting journey from that point on as an 11 year old? Never stopped collecting bogs from that day forward. There were times where I had to kind of put it on hold, you know, due to, um, uh, well, obviously from the ages of 11 till when I got my first job at the age of 16, I couldn't do my own buying. So I'd have to, you know, uh, the good graces of my parents that they wanted to, you know, pick me up something here and there because there was a card shop in our, in our town that we would go to, or I would go to. And every once in a while, there'd be a, a box card there and I would like to get it. So my dad or my mom would give me a little money. I'd go buy it. So uh, it was hard those first few years. Uh, and then when I started getting a job through high school, um, you know, definitely would. Uh, and then when I got my car and I could actually drive to the, to the card store myself, I would start picking up more stuff. And then when, when eBay hit the scene in like, what is it, 1998 or whatever? I mean, for me, that was when everything just, I mean, my collection just skyrocketed because I mean, I was finding stuff on there that I, you couldn't pick up locally in Chicago. I mean, I was getting all kinds of stuff off of, uh, off of eBay. And it never really stopped until about when I got into grad school uh, in 2003. So that two year period from 03 to 05, where I was, you know, hitting the books hard and studying, I didn't have, wasn't working. Um, my, uh, uh, well, she's my ex-wife now, but my, when we were engaged during that time, she was the, you know, she was the breadwinner. So I'd have to kind of like sometimes ask, Hey babe, can I pick this up off of eBay? Uh, but then after grad school and started my career and, and making good money, that's, that's again, that's kind of when it skyrocketed even more. And that's when I actually got into the, uh, the game used uh, stuff, which is really taken off for me. Uh, so I kind of went in stages. You kind of went in stages you know, what was it or was there kind of a decision point along the way where you said, you know, I don't just want to have a collection of bog stuff. I want to go after everything I can get my hands on. <laughs> was there something that kind of flipped that switch? Whereas like, you, you know what I mean? Like take it, it's, it's taking it to a whole nother level. 
Yeah, you know, um, I don't know exactly when that happened, but there certainly will. And it was certainly early on when I started amassing, you know, a pretty good, decent sized collection. And I had to have been in my teen years. There was a point in time where I thought to myself, I got this much stuff, but I know there's more stuff out there. I want to have the ultimate Boggs collection. I've got to be the biggest, you know, I got to be the, or I want to be the biggest box collector, you know, uh, around. And that, that was kind of like, yeah, it started off when I was in my teens. And I, that was the, my mindset. And I never stopped since then. And, and as far as I know, uh, I have the largest Wade box collection on the planet. <laughs> I think that's really interesting because the fact that you kind of got your mind around that or that became a goal for you while you were still in high school, you know, before you had gone to college, before you had got a, a career and a, and a good paying job, before it was even known whether that would even be a possibility, that was your focus. You know, I've talked to other people mm -hmm. where, you know, it was later in life that they finally decided that they wanted to kind of relive their childhood and and go and, and build this collection. But you've kind of had that goal ever since you were a teenager, which I think is is really cool. At what point, you know, give us a feel for when you first got started, like up through those high school years, you know, what did that collection mainly consist of? You mentioned you were going after bog stuff, the stuff that you mm -hmm. could find locally, the stuff that you could afford, but kind of how big was that collection kind of in its first phase? Well, at the time I thought it was huge, but uh, looking back now, it really wasn't that big. It was mostly just cards, you know, living here in Chicago and, we would get the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun-Times uh, newspapers every day. Um, if he, there were ever a clip or a picture of him in the, the sports section of the, you know, the either of those magazines, which it did happen every once in a while when the Red Sox were in town, I'd clip those out. I was saving box, uh, box scores for years, uh, which unfortunately, sadly, I must have misplaced at some point because, I mean, I had hundreds of them. I, I mean, seasons of just clipped out, you know, box scores of uh, Red Sox games and uh man, i would have loved to have made a display out of those but that that was basically all i could rely on at the time being in chicago um now if i was in boston i'd probably have you know all, all the stuff but um yeah so it was mostly cards and i had thousands of cards at the time as going into my you know late teens and uh i thought that was huge and the newspaper clippings and i started you know um a couple of beckett magazines he was on the cover of i was able to purchase those at the card store so it was mostly magazines cards and newspaper clippings the 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 thought of actually owning even one piece of game used material was like so, uh, was such a distant, I, I never thought I would ever get to that point where I'd actually own a piece of equipment that he actually wore. And so when that did happen, I was, I was just ecstatic. But at the time in my teens, I never even thought that would have been a possibility for me. <laughs> Give us a feel for where that collection stands today. For for those watching on video, you can see the background. And there's basically in this basement, there's not an open spot that doesn't have some kind of Boggs memorabilia. Maybe a little bit right here. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit on the ceiling back over yeah. one of the shoulders. So if you're listening on the audio version, uh, you'll have to go to YouTube, check out the video interview if you want to see some of this stuff. But give us a feel for where does this collection stand today? Um, it's it, well... <sighs> logistically it stands where I can't put anything more down here. I, mean, I literally have no more space. Desirability. There's a lot of things out there. I still want to get, I'm satisfied with where I'm at, but there's always that, that, uh, that wanting more. And I've always wanted a, a, a uh, uh, I want a fielder's glove. I do have a glove that Wade used, but it was a practice, a practice glove. So it wasn't one that was used on field. That would be a, that would be probably the top. That's the, the top of the list of items I would love to get. Um, Definitely need a, a New York Yankees jersey, uh, whether home or away, or 
would be nice to have both. And uh, what else? Um, at least those are the two that I can think of right now. The, the fielder's mitt and a uh, Yankees jersey. Do you have a count on how many items, like how many cards you have, how many you know, uh, memorabilia items you have. Is there, is there any kind of count that you've got? No, I'm just, no, uh, I'm a hoarder as my wife loves to tell me. I don't, I'm not meticulous as far as in like knowing exactly how many items of of each I have. I'm not that OCD, but um, I could give you some ballpark figures card wise. Yeah. I've got to be around 15,000. Now I know there's one collector, uh, Jeremy, that I'm good friends with. He claims to have over a hundred thousand box cards. Um, So that's amazing, but uh, I've got about maybe 15, my 15,000 myself, uh, but game used items, which is really what I've been focusing on the last five to eight years or so. I've got, uh, I've got at least four game worn jerseys, five game worn Jersey pants. I have 15 or 16 pairs of cleats. I got about eight pair of batting gloves and I got 13 game used bets. <laughs> Oh, and then I got a game use hat from each team. And my my favorite piece, or my three favorite pieces, because it's the one that most people just kind of just hang their head and have to shake, like what you do your you're there's something wrong with you. I have a uh, I own a pair of shower shoes from each of the teams that he played for. <laughs> <laughs> that is a new one. I don't know that I've ever heard of any collectors with with uh worn shower shoes. So that is a, a unique item for sure. I'm unique. Now, I do know of a guy who's a uh, an Oakland A super collector who does have a, um, a Mark McGuire game-worn jock strap. Now, I won't go that far, <laughs> but I do, that, know, I do know a guy. His name is Ed. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be something. I believe um, I've seen some pictures, and I, and I may know the answer to this, um, but you've had a chance to meet Wade Boggs before. You've had a chance to meet him. Is he aware of the extent of your collection and the extent of your fandom? He is, yeah. So um, back in uh, two thousand, I, I started my Twitter account in two thousand twelve, and I every almost every day I posted something, uh, item from my collection, and always tagged him in it. And it was about two thousand fourteen, and I was uh, working. Uh, I uh, was working in emergency medicine at, at the time, and I remember I was on shift back and forth seeing patients and I had my phone in my back pocket and I heard a chime go off and I recognized it as a, as a Twitter chime. I figured it was just somebody liking one of my tweets or something like that. So I ignored it about maybe an hour or so later I finally got a chance to sit down. I'm in the, I'm in the dictation room and I'm charting away on a, a patient or some patients charts. And I finally decided to pull my, my, you know, my phone out of my pocket. I looked at it and the only thing that was on the screen said, Wade Boggs now follows you on Twitter. And I had to do like a triple take. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? So I opened it up, went to the app, and sure enough, I went to his page that says right next to his name, follows you. And I was like, holy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that was so he's been aware of my stuff since, since at least 2014. And I've had numerous, numerous uh, interactions with him on Twitter. And then uh, I've met him in person at least probably close to a dozen times now, uh, including uh, being invited to his home in Tampa when my wife or when my family and I were in on vacation last year or this past year in uh, Florida. That was, that was something else. <laughs> that is very cool. I was going to ask if he's ever been to the, uh, the man cave there, but you getting a chance to hang out with him at his house is, is even better. That was, that was cool. Yes. Well, yeah. I what mean, was that was experience up, like? Man, I tell you, so it was a, it was a Wednesday. <laughs> I can tell you that much because it was the one day that the family and I, we weren't going to Walt Disney park. 
and uh, my wife wanted to uh, do something with uh, some of the friends that we went down with, and she gave she gave me a pass because I had reached out to Wade maybe two days prior and said, "Hey, I'm going to be down in the Tampa area. What's a good where's a good place to eat uh, when I'm in Tampa?" And he told me of a place, and then he said, "And then when you're done, swing out by my house. You know, come come by. You know, come over to my house. Here's my number. Give me a call." <laughs> it was just like whoa. So when I show my wife that, she's like, yeah, go ahead. Do, do your thing with uh, with your guy there. So, yeah, I drove from uh, uh, Disney to Tampa, which was a little over an hour. And, uh, yeah, I went to his house. He met me right. He met me outside. He was in the park. There was in, in his driveway holding his little Yorkie terrier named Cinnamon. And I got, got out the car. And he's like, hey, Rich, welcome to Florida, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he walked me to his house. Uh, I met Debbie, who was there. And, uh, yeah, he took me right. So when you walk into his house, he's got this big open foyer antrum what do you want to call it turn to the left and one down step you know is his memorabilia room and uh yeah i walked in there and i seen pictures of this room but to actually be in it it was just it was it was surreal so uh yeah it was a great time i spent maybe close to an hour there he gave me a tour around his house um he showed me both of his um game trophy rooms and where he his um his hunt you know all of his hunts and stuff like that as i mean his collection is uh uh, game collection is unreal two rooms i mean i'm talking about he's got every species of animal uh, he had he had a stuffed alligator he had a elephant head he had all kind of, i mean it was just, it was so cool and then his um his daughter megan was there uh so i got to meet her first you know for a little bit but yeah i stayed for almost about an hour and we just we just talked it was awesome you know <laughs> yeah very cool that that seems like that would be a, a pretty awesome experience it was really cool you know, it was one of those where I didn't want to, I mean, I wanted to ask questions and talk, but I also, you know, I didn't want to overstep my, you know, my invitation. Like I could have hung out there all day, with, all day with him, but <laughs> just kind of had to, I just like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I asked just a few questions. I let him kind of lead the conversation and lead me around the house. And, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that was a, a good experience for both of you and maybe it will lead to an additional conversation at, at some point in the future. <laughs> I know. I'm I sure think it was he... more, I'm sure it was more memorable for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he used to um, do some hunting in central Illinois back, you know, during, during the off season, during his playing days. Um, I, I think he used to to come here to central Illinois to, to do some hunting. So yeah, I don't um, doubt it. Yeah. You, you talked about your, your man cave being pretty full at this point, mm -hmm. but it's a pretty outstanding man cave. I understand that it actually won man cave of the year in 2020. Correct. Yes, it did. The uh, man cave site.org. Uh, website yeah uh mike uh, mike yost or mike york is the uh uh i don't know what you call him the curator of the website but yeah uh i submitted pictures of my uh man cave and uh i was in i got a uh an email a few months later going into december of, of 2019 and um yeah i said i was a finalist and then uh i would know within about a week who the winner was and uh, yeah a week later i got an email from him saying congratulations we you know we voted you out of like nine thousand entrants uh, man cave of the year so i was like wow that's awesome i didn't think i wasn't expecting to win but uh because it was my first time submitting pictures to this contest because uh, he, he's been doing it since i think 2014 or something like that so uh, yeah that was it was an honor it was great so then um you know, of course wade knew about it because i obviously put it right on on twitter sure. as soon as i got the, the plaque and then he signed it for me last year when i saw him at the uh, uh card show that was up at the uh, donald stevenson center so yeah he got a kick out of you know looking at it and you know congratulated me on the award and signed it for me. 
That's fantastic. Oh yeah. Did, did any other kind of media outlets um, pick up on that? Did it give you an, a chance to build kind of your notoriety and your kind of internet um, fame? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, because I posted it to I, I posted it on my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and then yes, I I, I know I got approached to do a few podcasts like this yep. uh, as a result of that award. No, I mean, no major. Uh, outlets but uh, it gave me a, a good amount of exposure that I, that I was happy with. Does your collection uh, go beyond Boggs or as you focused in on Boggs and needed to clear space did you kind of sell off some of the other pieces of a, your collection that you had as a kid or anything like that? Or No um, no I mean ba- basically uh, Boggs has been my main focus but I do collect Star Wars I do have a, a, a pretty good uh, I would say it's probably would be considered a, a world-class Star Wars, vintage Star Wars collection that if you want, I can show you. I can pick up the iPad and show you the, uh, I got a separate room for that. But yeah, it's uh, that's my other passion is uh, Star Wars. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, that's a that's another interest of mine as well is, is Star Wars collectibles, Star Wars cards. And um, yep. there's there's some pretty good Star Wars podcasts and things like that that are out there too that that I enjoy hearing about, especially from a, a memorabilia and, and card perspective. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. One other collection uh, question that I had is I know your Boggs collection goes beyond cards, right? Cards is a focus, but you know, you go into the, the game worn memorabilia and, and those types of things too. I wanted to get your thoughts on this question because I think other super collectors have varying degrees of, of interest and have some, some pretty strong thoughts on it. When you think about your Boggs card collection, where, how do you think about how many cards continue to come out post playing days versus uh, a collection that's focused on cards during the, the playing days? You know, like I said, people have so many different thoughts on on if they like that the fact that there's still a bunch of new stuff coming out, or if they preferred that they scaled it back since he's not playing anymore. I was just curious on what your thoughts are on on playing days versus all of the cards released after playing days. Well, uh, I do know that it's at least uh, three times the number of cards that have been made of Wade Boggs post-retirement uh, as opposed uh, compared to when he did play. And I honestly don't have a problem with it. I, I love it because um, it gives me, you know, because <clears throat> I always want to be collecting. So if they didn't have cards put out every year, I'd have nothing really to look forward to. So even though I, I personally scale back on trying to go after every single vari- variation of new cards that are coming out because it's, it, it is insane, but I don't, I don't uh, look on it negatively. I, I, I do enjoy it. I like, it. I think it's awesome. Um, and even though uh, I may not have all the cards that came out of his in 2018 to this day, I can still find those cards if I want to and, uh, and pick them up and they make really nice additions to, um, to the collection. My only, I, I guess one problem I do have though, with when they do come out every year with so many different, you know, parallels, short prints. What I'm noticing about Boggs, and I don't, I don't know if this is the same for other collectors like maybe Kent with, with Ricky Henderson. I get a little tired of seeing the same image of Wade just on a different border or a different background. It's always like maybe four or five of the same picture all the time. Yep. I'm thinking to myself, you know, he's got to have thousands of pictures out there. And they, they just seem to keep using the same you know handful of, of images and just pretty up the card around it. So I would like to see more of a variety of different pictures of them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a healthy perspective. I think the people that I've heard get the most frustrated are the card-focused collectors who are completists and feel like their collection isn't complete unless they have almost every possible 
you know, card that they can get of their player or, or, or whatnot. Um, and so, you know, with your mindset of, I want to, I want a big, a robust collection, but I don't have to have every single card. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is what probably helps, helps you keep that balance of, of still kind of enjoying, enjoying some of those things. But I think you're also right. You know, there's, there's some laziness that, that we've seen in the recent years, especially for some of the um, retired legends that the same few photos continue to get recycled from product oh, to yeah. product. Oh yeah. Um, I, uh, I, do you know who Tanner Jones is? Have you yep. heard Tanner? Yep. Yeah. Everybody knows Tanner. <laughs> I uh, did a podcast with him and he had asked me uh, a similar question as to like, you know, do I feel this need to have to get every single card weight box you know and at the time during when, when we spoke i said you know what i'm to the point now with my collection that i don't i no longer feel the pressure to have to get every single card every single piece of um yeah every single card that he's on because one it's it's not attainable it's, it's just too much out there and me personally I, I i'm not speaking for anybody else who's a super collector but me personally i am now to a, a level of you know notoriety and the fact that um, you know, I'm acquaintances with, with Wade. I've, I feel like, and this is how I told Tanner, I said, I've, I think I've reached the zenith, the, the pinnacle of super collectordom that I don't really necessarily feel any more pressure to have to like keep getting everything and then showing it off. I'm like, I, I'm there. I'm already, you know, yep. <laughs> so I don't feel the pressure any longer. It's, it's kind of nice, you know? So, um, yeah, I just, I like, I like the, uh, I like the group of people that I've met because of the collection and some of the accolades I've gotten, like the Mankey of the Year Awards. So it's it's a fun hobby. I enjoy doing it. Yes, it can be very uh, uh, you know, uh, very costly, as my wife loves to remind me all the time. <laughs> she said, she'll say, like, think of all the trips we could have gone on. Or think of all the, you know, we could have had our colleges already paid off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's the fun in that, you know? So... <laughs> Is there yeah. anything else that you want people to know about the collection or that you think it's important that people understand about your journey in, in collecting bogs? Uh, yeah. So uh, not that I think Wade's going to watch this. He might, I don't know, but uh, I am planning on shortly here because I know he's coming uh, for the national this year. Uh, and he has told other collectors who have gone to like shows where he's at and they'll be like, Hey, you know, box tavern, you know, rich day. He's like, yeah, I know rich. He's like, um, you ever going to get there? He's like, yeah, it's on my bucket list to get there. So I'm going to hit him up pretty soon about, you know, really seriously putting together maybe a chance of him coming here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll pay whatever. If he wants a limousine right here, I'll get a limo, you know, whatever. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'll get him here. I want, I got to get him here. He's got to come. You know? so, <laughs> and if, if, if he does that, I can, I'll, I'll retire. That's my biggest thing right now. That would be the full icing on the cake. That would be pretty <laughs> awesome. Hey, if people want to check out the collection, if they want to follow along, if they want to see kind of the things that you share, you know, on social media, where can they find you? Yeah. So uh, I'm basically on Facebook, um, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. So my Instagram is uh, 1974RMD. Twitter, I'm at at Boggs328. And then on Facebook, uh, my buddy John Reichert and I, we have a uh, a page, Wade Boggs Super Collectors page, and him and I uh, basically put our entire collection on that Facebook page. So if they want to go there, they can see pretty much every item I get. Because every time I get something new, I take a picture of it, put it on there. It's actually a way for me too, also to kind of inventory what I've got, because I do have this all insured, and um, you know, so I know what I know how much I've got invested in here. So 
yeah. So yeah, those are the three, uh, the three sites that they can find me on social media. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes today talking yeah. about your collection, the pursuit of that collection and um, the, the interactions you've had with Wade. I, I think that's, that's awesome. I think people are really going to enjoy hearing it. So thanks again for your time today. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the sports card shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Thanks again to Rich for coming on. I appreciate him spending some time sharing about his collection and his enthusiasm for building the best Wade Boggs collection that is out there. If you haven't already, you can check out the YouTube channel and see the video version of this interview. And you can see in his background, just surrounded by Boggs stuff, you can see the enormity of what he's got. You know, he didn't do a full like walk around, you know, piece by piece type type show of of what he's got but you can just get a sense of the scale of what he's got there i would love any feedback that you've got for me you can reach out to me on twitter at the mike summer you can send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com you can find me on tiktok and instagram at waxpackhero and i would love to hear what you think and we can continue the conversation there that is all i have for you today so i'll catch you next time